Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Join us each week as we break down an issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now and what is likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr. Keith Souter, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name is Sasha Barbagat. I'm a journalist. We've spoken a fair bit recently on this podcast about the decline of America. We've examined it on the global stage. But what does it actually look like for the people of the United States? And have we seen this before? This week, we're discussing a book written by Peter Turchin called End Times, which looks at the elites of American society and how they could be contributing to another downfall. Hi, Keith. Hello. So to start us off, can you explain to us how the US is faring right now and why the author thinks it's sliding into discord? Yeah, so Peter Turchin, currently, I think, based in Austria, originally based in or born in Russia, mainly educated in the United States. He's an expert on cleometrics, which is the application of mathematics and politics. Okay. He doesn't spend his time like me going through political parties and all that sort of thing. He just simply collects figures. Yeah. And so he's now arguing that America is doomed because of a couple of big trends. So the first trend is simply the problem of what he calls elite overproduction. Mm -hmm. Too many graduates looking for too few jobs. Right. And the other problem is the level of poverty within a country. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that America is actually getting poorer ordinary Americans. Sure, they've got more billionaires than ever before, but you've also got more poor people than ever before. So he says that just standing back, not looking at the policies of individual politicians or anything like that, but just looking at the two data points, so elite overproduction and the growing extent of poverty in the country, one can say that the country is heading for a major crisis. I've got to say, reading this article based on his book, is that I was really reminded about how an educated elite architect like Speer, Albert Speer, could end up working for Hitler. Mm. So he's somebody who came out of a cosmopolitan, educated background. He's not one of the working-class thugs who were early joiners of the Nazi party, but Speer, in his memoirs, says, I was an unemployed architect, and Hitler promised jobs to us. Yeah. And that's what attracted us to Hitler. So he wasn't particularly anti-Jewish or anything like that. He was looking for a job. He was a trained architect and there just wasn't work. And then with Hitler's economic policies, work was found. And he gradually worked his way into Hitler's inner circle. But that's a risk that we run, that we are producing too many talented people and there are too few jobs. Now, what is not covered in Turchin's article, uh, we need to bear in mind, is what's going to be the impact of artificial intelligence yeah. on jobs. Yeah. In other words, that the jobs that we've got are now under threat quite often because of the computer revolution. Mm. And so that'll be yet another source of tension. So it sounds like the middle class has kind of been wiped out a little bit and we've kind of got all these people towards the top and more people towards the bottom. Is that right? That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, reflecting Turchin's style. He even talks about the height of Americans mm. as an indication <laughs> of the wealth of America. Wow. Uh, if you're a short American, it means you've probably got poverty in your background. Wow. Um, so he's looking, I, I just found that amazing. As I said, 
he's not somebody who does the standard sort of research that I would do looking at policies, mm. individuals. What he's doing is going for other data points. And so what he's talking about here is the way in which you can almost measure the wealth of the country. I'll just give you the figures here. He looks at an earlier crisis period, which is the American Civil War. So that's 1861 to 1865. So he says, then as now, a growing economy served to make the rich richer and the poor poorer. The number of millionaires per capita quadrupled 1800 to 1850. That must be millionaires in the then US currency. While the relative wage declined by nearly 50% from the 1820s to the 1860s, just as it has in recent decades. Biological data from the type suggests that the average American's quality of life declined significantly. From 1830 to the end of the century, the average height of Americans fell by nearly two inches. <laughs> <laughs> An average life expectancy at age 10 decreased by eight years during approximately the same period. So he's working off, and he actually points out in the article that they collect hundreds of different data points mm. to try to see the patterns. Mm -hmm. So he's obviously looking at life expectancy and looking at height, as well as the standard ones that we would focus on, which would be wealth. Yeah, yeah. And he can see these trends, a very engaging way of doing history. And it's a warning to us mm. that we could be heading back towards the crisis of 1861. And I, I am coming across people who comment in America about the need for the division of splitting up America into red states and blue states. Uh-oh. So that is a new type of civil war. Yeah. So you can imagine that Texas would be a blue state, solid blue state. So California would be a solid <laughs> blue state. And or even more so Florida. Yeah. Solid red for the Republicans. Yeah. Do you think that'll happen? No, because... There isn't the same sort of geographical difference. So see, back in 1861, you had the southern states mm. who were generating a lot of money for a handful of the slave owners. Yeah. And they were in a particular grouping within the United States. And the northern states, which were the industrialized states, controlled by the Republican Party. Democrats, by the way, were the slave owners. Yeah, right. Which is an interesting turn of events. It is. So the Democrats, the earlier Democrats were slave owners and they were based in the South. The Republican Party were the more enlightened, so to speak, factory owners, and they were up in the North. Yeah. So you had more of a clearer difference. There were some states that were not sure where they were going to go, mm -hmm. but generally speaking, on the eastern half of the United States, there was a, a bit more of a clearer division between the slave owners and the opponents of slavery. Does Turchin make predictions? So he's saying he's seeing these patterns emerge that we've seen before in the United States. Does he then make a prediction of what he thinks is going to happen? Well, he would say, as a mathematician, these are the trends you've got to look out for, mm -hmm. right? You're producing too many graduates and particularly elite graduates, ones who go on to do doctorates, particularly in the humanities and the social sciences. But he says, look, I think you're overproducing in STEM as well. So that's science, technology, and maths. Overproduce. See, oh, they want us to do more and more. So well, in Australia, we need it, right? In Australia, ah, okay. but not in America. Different They're already America. doing very well. Got you, got you, got um, you. And so you've got the overproduction of elites today, and you've certainly, very obviously, got this growing gap between the rich and the poor.
to listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suter as we take a closer look at how the US could be sliding into dysfunction. So there are too many elites in America right now, according to, to Turchin, and the broader population is struggling more than ever. What's being done to address those issues, if anything? Well, that's exactly the warning that he's giving, that in fact there isn't much being done. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks back at an earlier period of the 1930s where eventually the political class realised that if they want the country to hang together, they really needed to support the reforms of Franklin Roosevelt. And Roosevelt was this remarkable president, not only the war leader during World War II alongside Winston Churchill and Joseph Stalin, but prior to the outbreak of the war, had got America out of the Depression. Now, there are some conservatives who would say depressions are an act of God. They just sweep through the economy They've got nothing to do with human activity except that for people who spend badly and behave stupidly, they will be punished. Right. So prices go up too high. You end up with these property bubbles, technology bubbles most recently, and so they will be punished. But if you live a moderate, respectable life, don't get into debt, you're fine. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a right-wing person, well, in the old days anyway, a right-wing person would simply say, You just behave carefully and you'll be okay. The people who get badly damaged in these depressions are the people who behaved irresponsibly. They borrow too much. We've seen that, of course, with the housing crisis in the United States leading up to the bursting of the balloon in the year 2008. That would be the right-wing position, which would be to say, don't touch the economy. Let the economy regulate itself because there is this invisible hand at work which will then do all the heavy lifting for you. And so that would be the argument from the Conservatives, and we still see that today. Mm. We call it neoliberalism, the rediscovery of the market. So the argument is you don't get involved in trying to affect economic policies. You just let the market sort itself out. And it's not written in the sky that any country should survive. So if Australia doesn't spend enough money on science and technology doing the appropriate development, Australia perishes. Well, that'll teach Australians a lesson. (laughs) So brutal. (laughs) What about the idea that there are too many people with university degrees? I mean, is this the idea that we've put too much emphasis on those being the best jobs and we need more people to be drawn in by the working class, by doing a trade, by working in mining and those sort of things? Well, the whole issue of trade is very important Mm. because the argument is we're running out of plumbers and carpenters. Right. If you've ever tried to employ a tradie recently, you'll Mm. know how difficult it is. You can get an elite surgeon much more easily (laughs) than you can a, (laughs) a carpenter or an electrician. And that's because of the element of snobbery that has Mm. come about in the last half century, that families want their children to join the professional class. I must admit, when I was selling encyclopedias (laughs) door-to-door when I lived in Boston in 1970, if I got inside the home of a carpenter or a plumber, I knew I'd be able to sell them a set of books. Even if they got one set of encyclopedias, they'll buy another set because mm. they were so concerned that their children didn't end up as plumbers and carpenters. Mm. They wanted them to become lawyers in particular. And I find it fascinating that you go to the United States today, there's a surplus of lawyers and a shortage of carpenters. But I guess the problem is is that in societies where the rich get more and the poor get less, well, then, of course, they're going to want to try and aspire to be rich by going to university, by getting a law degree. I don't know how we fix that. 
when it's, you know, natural for us to want better for the next generation. Yes, it is, but we're not delivering it. Yeah. You know, a lot of young people don't expect to be living better than their parents, which is part of the American dream. <laughs> and me too. It is. It's a problem with this generation and I'm in it is that we feel worse off than our parents were. Yeah. Yeah, and it's scary. Yeah. Because, you know... And, you know, I know we're, we're in Australia, I'm speaking from an Australian perspective, but I think the idea is similar overseas, yep, is yep. that we're struggling to to save enough money to buy a house and to advance ourselves. We can hang around in the middle, but we can't get much further ahead. And it is, it's, it's really tough. Yeah. And yeah. I get, you know, and so I guess my point with Turchin's book is that he's saying, oh, we've got too many people with uni degrees. I'm like, well, if I didn't go to uni... You know, for me personally, I wouldn't have picked up a trade. I might be a hairdresser and learning significantly less money mm. than what I would be now. So if I'm struggling now with what I'm earning, imagine if I hadn't gone to university, you know? But if you'd become a carpenter, you'd be at a Charlie Street race. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Tradies in Australia are very well yeah, paid. Yeah, I don't. Is it the same in the United States? It is as well, yeah. yeah. So why aren't more people just going and becoming tradies? Uh, well, because of the snobbery, yeah, right? You yeah, look down yeah. on TAFE colleges. Yeah. We should be doing far more to boost the TAFE colleges and I think reduce the ambition for people to go to universities. I teach at universities, but I also recognise the limitations of just getting children to enrol at university because their parents think it'll be good for them, not because they have any aspirations in any of those areas. And I think that's the difference. My husband is a tradie, but he started that out of school when he didn't know what he wanted to do. Now he looks at science and history and he goes, oh, I'm really interested in that, but he feels like it's too late for him to go and, and do something like that. But I guess it's the the pressure from parents to say, mm. oh, you must go to university. Absolutely. It should be you must do something that will make you happy or fulfilled or, you know, make you feel like you're living a positive life. That's what Turchin talks about with that elite overproduction. Yeah, yeah. And also the development of meritocracy. Now, this is actually the phrase that he uses, the dark side of meritocracy. Mm. Michael Young invented the phrase as a joke, <laughs> but it's now become serious sociological term. Yeah. Uh, I keep coming across this name, Michael Young, and I was greatly surprised to see that it's all the same person. So he wrote the policy for Attlee's Labour Party in 1945. Mm. He was one of the originators of the Open University in Great Britain. Mm -hmm. Died at an advanced age, mm. but did a hell of a lot. He also wrote this satirical book on meritocracy, where people rise up through their intelligence. And so they then become very arrogant because they say, I worked hard at university, therefore I deserve the best. I yeah. have no sympathy for these losers who are not studying hard enough. Mm -hmm. And the book that he wrote was a warning because he could see already the process that you're complaining about, but he was ahead of you by 30 <laughs> or 40 years warning about this development of the meritocracy. And here I come across the phrase actually written as a serious sociological yeah. term <laughs> by Peter Turchin. And exactly what Michael Young mm -hmm. was warning about is what's now taking place. And so the people who've got the part of the elite overproduction, they just look down on TAFE colleges. Mm. And when they get into positions of power, as we've seen in Australia, they just undermine the work of TAFE colleges, reduce the funding, et cetera, or privatise them and let them fall apart. Absolute tragedy for the TAFE system. So this is Turchin warning about these long-term trends. He's not buying into day-to-day -day policies of... Republicans and Democrats, 
is just simply warning about this risk of elite overproduction. And then the other thing he's warning us about is the growing gap between the rich and the poor, mm. which comes in partly from new right economic rationalism and just relying on the market. So in the 1930s, President Roosevelt was willing to take on the hardline conservatives by saying it is the job of government to look after the underprivileged. So he had people out planting trees. He created a whole new separate department for people with cameras to photograph people planting trees. <laughs> so we get some memorable photographs, yep. which are actually a government project mm. from that period. Wow. So you, you had a variety of new government departments, the invention of what we call the modern presidency, all going back to Roosevelt. He had terrible problems in the early 1930s, but eventually people got to accept it. There's a, a lovely quote here from President Eisenhower. So he's a Republican. This is after World War II, and he's writing to his brother about how much change had occurred. He says, should any political party attempt to abolish Social Security, unemployment insurance, and eliminate labour laws and farm programmes, you would not hear of that party again in our political history. So here you have a Republican president who came to office after World War II warning Republicans Look, if we go back to what we were saying in the early 1930s, we will wipe ourselves out because Americans are now accustomed to social security, unemployment insurance, what we would call the dole, mm. um, get rid of labour laws. You do any of that and you'll wipe out the Republican Party. Whereas what we're seeing at the moment is the Republican Party committed perhaps not to wiping out social security. That's very difficult, but certainly making life difficult for the poor people. And remember, most political parties are in office to protect the rich and punish the poor. Oh, well, that's a depressing note to end on. <laughs> well, Keith, a fascinating book. Thanks for bringing it to us. And um, I guess we'll see if Turchin's predictions are correct. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Global Truths is presented by Dr Keith Souter and me, Sasha Barber-Gatt. Audio production by Niall Fernandez. Theme and original music by Matt Nicolich.